Shivani, we bout to party, we bout to party, unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Hey everybody, welcome to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. I am Aubrey Edwards, here with my wonderful guest co-host Alex Apprehentes. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic, Aubrey. I am really excited to talk to our guest because oh, I've got so some I. questions <laughs> for him, especially after I found out what I found out at our last AEW community outreach event, AEW Together. Oh my gosh, he he was the star of the show. Oh, 100 percent. We've got we've got J.D. Drake here today, who I love as a person. I love as a wrestler. We're going to put wrestling aside for a second. Yeah. And talk about bowling because we have <laughs> to talk about bowling. Hello, JD. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start by that, uh, by welcoming him in. Hello. How are you, JD? I can't argue a bit. How are you guys? Doing great. Excited to chat with you today. Okay. So this bowling thing. So we have mm-hmm. these community events yeah. that are, are great. AEW talent all goes to the local bowling alley. We split up into teams and then winning team gets to pick like a charity where money goes to. It's great. So the last one, like we could talk about the first one too, but the last one, JD rolls in with three separate bowling balls of course. that he's brought in from the other side of the country. <laughs> <laughs> so mm-hmm. please, please talk about like your bowling background, when you learned how to play, like, do you play competitively? Like I need to know everything. Okay. Well, I will, I'll do my best to give you everything. Sweet. Uh, first time I went bowling, I probably was six or seven years old. I went with some cousins of mine and just absolutely fell in love with it. I think I shot like a 50 or a 60 the first time I went, but it was the most fun that I had had outside of playing baseball at the time. Baseball was my first love. We'll talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm down with that too. But my mother in the winter started me in a league and I went in didn't know what I was going to get myself into. Started every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. I also didn't know it was going to be like 36 weeks out of the year. Oh, boy. Wow. But it's a long time, but it was well worth it. And the more I went and the more I learned about it, the more I loved it. Because it's it's not just you against the person that you're bowling against. It's you against an invisible opponent because of the oil patterns and things like that they put out on the lane. And those are things that I learned when I started getting more competitive and started learning how to make bowling balls move and started learning what angles did and things of that nature. But the older I got, the more competitive I got. The closest I got into a 300, I was pre-bowling because I was going to miss Saturday. And you could pre-bowl through the week and your scores would count on Saturday. So I'm sitting on seven in a row and my butthole starts tightening up. I think I'm... 14 or 15 years old at the time. And there was a guy named Chris Baker who was on our league. And I happened to be bowling him that week. And he was there. Well, I get up from my next shot and he coughs in the middle of my backswing. Uh. So I just, I threw the shot, went through the nose. I think I left the 3610. I picked it up, turned around and looked at him. There was another friend of mine there named Allison that chased him to the other side of the bowling alley and started beating his ass. Good. It was the best thing that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and that's friendship. Needless to say, I didn't finish that game out 
very well. Let's see, what did I shoot? Two fifties, because the next two frames was trash. But it is what it is. I bowl three nights a week now. I bowl Monday, Wednesdays when I'm not on the road, and Thursdays when I'm at home from being on the road. And then in my spare time, I work in a pro shop, drilling bowling balls, laying them out, uh, doing plug work. So if somebody needs holes filled up and surfaces changed, I do that too. That's phenomenal. Wow. Wow. The things you learn at Unrestricted. We're going to get to fan questions here in a second, but this is a great question. Uh, Nick Bar 23 wants to know, what's your average score? Uh, 210 is what my average is right now. I think my favorite part is that he just like knew that out of the gate. Right? Before I ask the next fan question about bowling, I'm, I'm curious, how many 300 games have you bowled? I've shot six. Four of them are sanctioned. Two of them was in practice. One of them was during cosmic bowling. Me and the fiance just showed up. We want to bowl. So we went to the, one of the local bowling alleys in the town we was in. I walked in and was like, "Mm, I don't know when the last time they owed these lanes was. So let's, let's see what we've got and wound up shooting 300. The guy from behind the counter came down and said, that has to be the most awesome thing I've ever seen. I was like, "Mm." I appreciate it. If you haven't seen a 300 working at a bowling alley, something's wrong. But he said, you know what? We're going to pay for y'all's bowling tonight. Thank you. I was like, okay. If I shoot another one, will you pay for it next week too? (laughs) Needless to say, I didn't come close, but it was what it was. You got to try. You got to try. We have a question from Josh Velasco. Do you have a favorite city to bowl in? I really enjoy bowling here at home in Spartanburg at Paradise Lanes. It's one of the best centers that I've ever stepped foot in. They've done so many renovations and things like that to it and dropped so much money in it. It's a family-owned center. Richard and Lori Gamble, they own it. Fantastic owners. Uh, Lori Martin is their daughter. She manages it and runs it. Fantastic facility. But wow. one of my favorite places to bowl is a little eight-lane house in small little Valdez, North Carolina. And when I say small, I mean it's like a little mountain town. It might population might be a thousand people. It's in the bottom of a rec center. Literally, you will like you're walking down into a dungeon, old wooden house, because you know, most bowling centers now are synthetic lanes. They're not wood. Well, these are old wooden from mid-50s. It's unreal. And the sound in there is nuts. You know when you go to an indie show in an armory, how the ring sounds like 10 times louder than it does when we're in big venues? Uh-huh. That's what this sounds like. when you, It sounds like a car crash every time the ball hits the pins. It's amazing. Oh my God. That's fantastic. Holy cow. So much uh, bowling knowledge here. You're the definition of a baller. This is no longer a wrestling yeah. podcast, but it's now a bowling podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, these are my favorite. Well, let's uh, let's shift into the world of wrestling because ah, uh, damn we've, we've got a lot to chat about there, too. We can get back to the bowling, though. I'm sure there'll be other fan questions about that as well. Let's talk about the workhorsemen. Yes, sir. Because you and Anthony Henry have been teaming up for quite a while. Tell us about how you guys got together, where the name workhorsemen came to be and all that good stuff. Anthony Henry and I, when we first met, hated each other. Really? Despised each other. Wow. And we've known each other over 12 years now, 12, 13 years. When I first met him, I thought he was just a pretentious douchebag. I mean, look at him. Look, <laughs> he looks like a douchebag. Looks like somebody you want to walk up and just slap. Well, I happened to know his girlfriend at the time, Amber Young. Amber is daughter of David Young. I know both of you know David. Mm-hmm. I knew her. I knew of Anthony. 
but I would always go over and I would talk to her and he would start cutting eyes across the locker room. Like, who's this mother? Why are you talking to my No, stop it. So I would lean over and whisper in Amber's ear and literally say, I'm just leaning over and whispering in your ear just to piss Anthony off. So in just a second, I want you to giggle. Like I said, something funny. And I'm going to pat you on the back and walk off. And then he would come over and be like, what the hell was he saying to you? What was he doing? Was he flirting with you? What's going on? And I, I continued doing this for a solid year. Finally, I was working a show in Augusta where he lives. And afterwards, we all went to dinner. Me, my fiance, him, Amber, their best friends that helped run the promotion. And me and Anthony was sat across the table from each other. And we're just staring like I finally said, are you that big of a douche all the time? He said, well, you that big of a loudmouth redneck all the time? I said, yes. He said, same. I said, cool. James, nice to meet you. <laughs> and we just, we started talking and became acquaintances. Then we started working for Evolve Wrestling. We worked together all over the North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia Indies. Then we started working for Evolve Wrestling, and we got put together by happenstance. We was working for FIP and Style Battle and a lot of the different promotions that fell underneath the WWN banner. All of a sudden, we got a call saying, hey, we're going to be in Charlotte. We want to use you guys as a tag team. And we had never tagged before. So our first tag team experience was what we thought was a national company. And and in all honesty, it was. It was the biggest show that we had worked in. They said, by the way, you're wrestling the tag champs. Wrestling Chris Dickinson and Jocko. Okay. So we go out, we wrestle the best tag team in the company and beat them. Oh. Yeah. First night on the job. Then we go to Atlanta the next day and we are in a three way with same team, Dickinson and Jocka and the Ugly Ducklings. And we pinned the Ugly Ducklings and kept the belts. And we kept the belts and evolved without a contract for six months. Wow. I was like, this don't happen. <laughs> this just doesn't happen. So we said to each other, I think this is the thing we ought to pursue. And we did. We were left without a name the first night that we went to wrestle. Well, we've got a group of guys around the Carolinas. There's about 12 of us. It's basically a show in a box. Any of the local indies that you went to around here, six of the 12 of us was on the card. If we went elsewhere, like if we went up and down the East Coast and we were all on the same card and they needed a good match, they would put us in the ring together and you'd have a good match. Timmy Lou Retton, or now he's known as Tim, Timothy Bumpers on Facebook, he's the one that coined the name Workhorseman. Mm. He's real big on wordplay, always has been. So he coined the name. Well, that night we sent a message to everybody in the group. Hey, we don't have a tag yet. We thought it was just going to be a one-off. So we said, can we run with it? And everybody in the group said, yeah. So that's what we did. And we have tried to get away from it. We've tried to use different names. We was going at the, uh, the Lethal Enforcers at one point. Team F around and find out. There's a bunch of different names that we've tried. They just never stuck. This one stuck. So there's that. Oh my god. Yeah, and we've been a we've been a team for the better part of seven years now, six seven years. I always love that when it's you never really expect like oh you know whatever this isn't going to work and then it does. That's the beauty of wrestling, right? Like you're not sure what's going to hit. And then suddenly you try something and it just hits and it For sure. guides your whole path. This is this is awesome. And I want to talk about it more uh, on the on our next segment on AEW Unrestricted. 
It's Alex and Aubrey back here at Unrestricted talking to the ever-talented J.D. Drake, a master bowler and fantastic in-ring technician. We were talking uh, before the break about your teaming with Anthony Henry and the Workforcemen. Tell us a little bit more about uh, your relationship with Anthony and how he kind of, I guess, saved your wrestling career, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I believe we've done it to each other. Uh, at some point during the time that we've been a team. But there's been times where I've told him, look, I'm beat up. I'm broken down. There's no, I can't, I've reached my peak. There's no way in the world I'm going to continue doing any of this, whatever. And he said, it's not exactly how this works. Uh, We're a team and I can't exactly go to tag bookings by myself. So shut up. Tighten your bootstraps, bring your ass on, and we're going to go do this. Well, hell, we were traveling four days a week. At the time, we were spending 10, 12 hours in a car each time we traveled. I was just getting burnt out. I couldn't do it. My mental wasn't the best. I had a great support system at home. Kelsey has always been, Kelsey is my fiance. She has mm. always been like my biggest supporter ever. Always. Well, between her and Anthony, I have had to remove multiple feet from my ass for (laughs) talking smack about myself and wanting to quit. Then there was the pandemic happened. And when the pandemic happened, we thought it was done. Literally thought it was done. And then we got a phone call about a tryout elsewhere. I wasn't going to do it because I was like, I don't know. Anthony calls me and says, hey, did you get the same phone call I just got? I was like, maybe and <laughs> he says are we going to do this or not he said because i'm not going without you and i wasn't going to take an opportunity away from him so i said hell yeah let's go and we was going as a team but that was also when when they went through and done their medical they said that i wasn't fit to compete that i had too many issues with my knees and this that and the other and for lack of getting into everything that I said because it got really bad at points. I basically flipped them the bird and said, hold my beer and watch. Oh my God. Good for you. Mr. Regal was there and he was the first person that walked in and he said, what the doctors are about to tell you is for your own good. I don't agree with them 100% because I've seen you work, but what they're going to tell you is for your own good. So instead of sending them MRI results when they said, hey, uh, we need you to send an email, the first email I sent was to QT. And QT said, yeah, come on. Are you available on this date? And that was Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day weekend in 2021. And I've been there ever since. Good for you. I know that when you when you came to AEW, one of the one of the things that happened initially is you joined the wingman. Which I think initially was was a little like this doesn't make any sense, and then That's exactly what it was, right? But within like five minutes, it's just like oh, this makes all the sense in the world. Like <laughs> it, was it was so like, good. From what I hear, it was an idea Christian had. Really, Christian was talking to Tony and was like, "You should put JD and Ryan Nimitz together, and those two and Cesar because Cesar's with." Peter and they should be trying to be JD's wingman and try to make him sexier, help him get girls, help him do this, help him do that. I said, you realize this is not how it's going to work out. Oh my God. It's not how it's going to work out. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I promise anything you give me, I'm going to make work. And that was where the, 
I make it work catchphrase came from. Yep. Mm. It was, it was wild. Like Ryan came up to me and said, Hey, Tony told me to sit by you, to be seen with you on camera and to do this and to do that. I said, what the hell are you talking about? He said, I don't know. It's just what the boss said. I was like, well, if boss said it, I guess we're going to do it. And then they were supposed to do a beat down after a match. I was supposed to be involved. I didn't know. Nobody told me. Thanks, Ryan. Throwing me under the bus, but <laughs> but he jumps the rail, jumps in, starts whooping up on people, and I'm like, I'm just gonna sit here because I don't, I don't know. I'm just gonna sit right here, but then we started cutting the vignettes and stuff during the uh, Daily's Place episode, The Dark, and that was some of the most fun that I've ever had in my life. Did you know Ryan going into this, or Peter, or Cesar? Mm, I knew Cesar. I knew Cesar from the first week that I went down and spent at Performance Center. That's where Cesar was to begin with. And then when I went down for my actual tryout and I wasn't allowed to compete, he was one of the first to console me. Mm. But when I went to the house show loop that I had there, it was him and Camarado that I hung out with the most. Wow. I worked out with Camarado for the entire week that I was there. And he that that's a stout human being. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But Cesar is he's the man. He's just he's just the man. I love him to death. He could call me right now and need something, and I would go jump in the car and make the six and a half hour drive. And I would—he's just a man. But I didn't know Ryan. I knew of Peter, but it was one of those things we just meshed, and everything fell into place. I loved that. I think they were shopping for you, and they bought you a couple like frilly lacy tops, <laughs> just so you sort of fit with everything else. <laughs> Ryan. He literally went on Amazon and just bought a bunch of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. He just bought a bunch of stuff. I was like, what is this crap? He shows up and says, dude, I got some stuff for you, but I'm not showing you till we do the promo. Oh, my God. Wow. He broke out that stupid see-through mesh shirt with the gold crap all over. It was Mm -hmm. beautiful. And I was like, I'm making this shit work. (laughs) (laughs) And you did. And you did. (laughs) Jericho said to me, you should wrestle him. I was like, this thing itches like hell. Kiss my ass. <laughs> Chris Daniels comes to me. CD says, you should wrestle him. Y'all put this on and go wrestling. Then I remembered Chris will wrestle in damn near anything. Oh, yeah. Either one of them. One of them used to wear a bowl of curry on top of their head. And the other one, there's no telling what in the hell he wears when he's on stage. So I'm like, you just talked yourself into this one, didn't you? So then I had to wrestle in the stupid thing. That was the itchiest, most aggravating. God, it's trash. But it worked. Again, it worked. Yeah, it sure did. The shit we did for wrestling. And I love that it led to Hot Boy Summer. It was just so, like... (laughs) 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 The Wingmen are honestly one of my favorite factions ever in AEW, just because you guys 100% believed in what you were doing. And it was so good. Because people kept telling us it wouldn't work. And we was like, the hell you say? Watch. Yeah. You also had a chance to really prove yourself in real serious competition too, in particular, that one match that you had with Eddie Kingston uh, on Dark. Had you wrestled Eddie before or was this the first time? Uh, that was not the first time. Me and Eddie have beat the hell out of each other on multiple occasions. There you go. When we were at Evolve, one of my favorite, absolute favorite opponents was Eddie Kingston. Mainly because you didn't have to worry about going in and being technical. You just go in and fight. Well, the way it worked was I showed up for my first Dark taping. And Eddie happened to be walking in the same time I was going in to get tested. And he said, hey, oh, JD, what the <laughs> hell are you doing here? I'm like, uh, I'm coming to work. He said, good. 
I'm going to Tony right now. Me and you tonight. We're going to do this shit. I was like, okay. So I showed up and he literally walks up to me and says, hey, I'm getting you a job tonight. Ooh, wow. I said, how's that? He said, because I'm going to show the world who you are. He gave me the whole match. Amazing. He literally said, I'm over. I don't need anything. Go get your shit in. What a guy. I was like, Eddie, I don't have anything. He said, you have a cannonball, you have a moonsault, and you chop. What else do you need? I said, fair, I guess. And we went out and beat the hell out of each other for seven minutes. And then had Stu Grayson the next night and got to show a different side of me where I showed some agility and was able to move around and keep up with somebody smaller than me, who, by the way, might be one of the strongest sub 200 pound humans I've ever seen in my life. He's insane. He's a beast. Yeah. He said, I'm going to pick you up on my shoulders and throw you over my head. You don't have to help. I said, no, that's not going to happen. Sure enough. He just says, and I'm on the other side of the world. Oh my God. I'm built to not be picked up. You fuckers leave me on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. Um, So yeah, you've had a lot of like memorable singles matches. I know you've had multiple tag matches with both the wingmen and workhorsemen. Is there anything that like, a moment in AEW that stands out to you most? Yeah, my match with Darby. Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody expected me and Darby to work that well together. Again, another one of those where I showed up and Dar- me and Darby knew each other from elsewhere. He's like, hey, I'm going to Tony soon and I'm going to tell him I want t- at least 10 minutes with you. Nice. Apparently, he hadn't worked anybody big for the belt by then. He said, I want to I want to go in and show that I can hang with somebody big and I don't trust anybody any more than I do you. So why not? And then we went out and had just, it was so much fun, so much fun. But I feel like that match legitimized me in the eyes of some of the fans of AEW. Now they know I'm not just a big guy that's there to, I can go in there and go. I can still go now. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a 300 pound guy that doesn't look like a Greek God. Who gives a shit? You ever been at a bar and tried to pick on somebody that looks like me? Those are the ones that'll beat your ass. <laughs> well said. That match for me meant a lot, even though it was only a minute being in the ring with Wardlow at the forum the first time we were there. And then, hold on. When we were in San Francisco was the week after my grandfather passed. And I had told him the week before, he used to watch basketball. A lot. And one of the last times I saw him, hey, I'm going to be wrestling at the Cow Palace. He wasn't talking much, but he looked at me and smiled. Oh, that's awesome. And I told him, I said, I'm going to wrestle. I'm going to wrestle at the Cow Palace. I'll come back home. I'll see you when I get home. And he just winked at me and smiled. And when I got there, I didn't expect to be the last, very last match of the night. It was me and Anthony against the acclaimed. Mm-hmm. I got back. I went and saw him when I got back and I told him how it went. And again, he wasn't talking much, but he smiled and uh, winked at me again and he would squeeze my hand. And I'm bowling league Wednesday. That was Monday. I'm bowling league on Wednesday and I get a call from mom saying, if you got anything else you want to say to your granddad, you might want to get here. Wow. Hmm. And when I got there, I hugged him and said, hey, I did what I said I was going to do. It's okay. That night, he closed his eyes the last time. But wow, that match that night will 
that'll mean a lot to me. Even though it was just, it was a dark match. It was on dark elevation. It was a lot of fun. I was in there with the acclaimed and Billy and Anthony, but that was seven minutes that I promised my grandfather I'd go do before, before my career was done, before he was done. And sure enough, it happened. It was a blast. I couldn't have asked for more. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, of course. Sorry for your loss. Yeah. There's no need to be. I appreciate the condolences, but it was expected. But he was, it'd be different if he wasn't ready, but he was ready. And you got to give him this wonderful thing before he left. That's 100% the truth. And like you say, oh, it's just a dark match. But like sometimes those are the most fun and the most satisfying matches that we do as performers. Yes. I feel like you just have the opportunity to connect with the audience more. And knowing you and seeing how how great you are as a wrestler, like you take advantage of every moment that comes along. I do my best. You absolutely do your best. And I mean, that one sending the crowd home, like as you said, it was the last one we taped that night. Absolutely phenomenal. Wonderful. And I, I can't wait to talk about more coming up on AEW Unrestricted. AEW Unrestricted, Alex and Aubrey here with J.D. Drake. We've been having a wonderful conversation that has ranged from bowling to family to tag teams to douchebags to yes. all over the place. <laughs> itchy wrestling shirts. Yes, yes, itchy wrestling shirts. We've covered all the important topics today. So great. And before this, we were talking about Dark and how uh, great it is as performers to be on Dark. Uh, and you had mentioned during our break funny moments that had happened. Oh, God. This this was a total accident. You were in the match, me and yes. Cesar against Billy and Colton. Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing the, the jeans and the black singlet and the black and white cowboy boots I have. Well, normally I wear two pair of socks. That day, I was in a rush, didn't put on two pair of socks. Forget whether it's Billy or if it's Colton, but somebody has my foot as I'm trying to get the Cesar for the tag. And by accident, my foot comes completely out of my boot, and I make the tag by accident. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Desner looks at me. I look at him, and I said, I guess it's the damn hot tag? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he said, we're heels. I said, oh, fuck. Yep. <laughs> so we just went on about it and finished the match. I finished the match with one boot on. And I was like, what the hell? Got in the back. And Billy said, what? The hell happened? I said, you've worn cowboy boots before, haven't you? Yeah, but they never fell off my foot. Oh, well, damn it. Mine did. Kiss my ass, Billy. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's got to be one of the funniest things that's happened to me. Like, I was reaching out like I was going to make the tag. Boot comes off. He's looking down at the boot like, what the hell just happened? I tagged Cesar, and I look up at him like, what the hell just happened? Oh, God. Hey. It it happens. Sometimes you lose a boot. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Better to lose a boot than to get the boot. Sometimes you ask a referee if they know how to count yeah. starting at three and you go three, two, one. I look at the <laughs> Oh my God. So like I, I don't break often on TV. Like I pride myself in kind of keeping the serious demeanor the whole time. And JD broke me so hard during one of the dark matches in Florida where I'm literally just like look at him and I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. in the middle of the match. Like I can't even try and hide it. Oh my God. What did he do? That was Anthony and Mascara Dorado. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my God. It was just like his, his little quips on the side, like are just really the thing that got me. It was so good. Oh man. We, we've got a number of fan questions to ask today oh, and uh, they range all over the place. Absolutely great. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> this first one from Brian Andino. Uh, what piece of advice maybe didn't click initially, but over time has become clear and enlightening while oh, we're starting deep. Mm. Gosh, Amadi. Um, Listen more than you speak. Mm, good one. That's in all facets of life. Also, the opinion of those that don't do your job doesn't matter. Ooh, that's a really good one, too. Truth. Yes. I think we're going to have to have a J.D. Drake uh, motivational book coming out on shopaew.com soon. You can call George South and get a lot of this information. <laughs> well, I got a very deep question here oh, from at Biff Sticks. I hope you're ready for this one. Yep. Where can I get the best barbecue in the Carolinas? Um, well, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Because in Shelby, where I'm from, I legitimately feel like we have some of the best barbecue in the entire state in our small little small little town. Some of my family used to cook competitively, and it's really hard for me to put put anybody over that's not in Shelby. Mm-hmm. Red Bridges and Alston Bridges barbecue in Shelby might be the best that you'll ever put in your mouth. Ooh. But if you go, you go towards Lexington, they have the barbecue festival and all that good stuff. But there's not really bad barbecue in North Carolina, but our little area, Shelby, Gastonia. Gastonia has a little food truck that's been around called uh, R.O.'s Barbecue. And R.O.'s has been around, God, 30, 40 years. And it's unreal also. Good to know. We'll put that on the list. It's the one problem I have with being a vegan is I hear all these people talk about barbecue and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I'm missing out. I just I just hope you all enjoy it. Nobody wasting. Oh, we do. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll eat for sure. <laughs> we do. It's fine. Uh, I got a question from Tuesday the 10th, which I'm curious about because I saw you guys ask this on Twitter. Did you settle on a name for your tag team finisher? Uh, nine to five. Nine to five. I love that it. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. That's fantastic. Yeah, Pronounced like three numbers, nine, two, five. It just, it's easy on commentary. Very easy. What area code is that? Did we, have we looked that up yet? <laughs> that's the thing. It's not an area code. I know, but it could be. It could be. That's the thing. It's, I don't care if anybody thinks it is or not. The area code here in North Carolina, I live in is 704. And in South Carolina, it'd be 864. So it's not either of those. Good. Okay, cool. We're not looking at some like weird, weird side meeting. But yeah, I love that. Nine to five. It's great. Yeah, yes. they're working nine to five. Are you a Dolly Parton fan? I am. Well, there you go. That's double meaning. When I was a kid, my grandmother had the VHS and I wore it out. Good to know there as well. <laughs> <laughs> I got a really good question here from Jeremy Slagle. Hello, Jeremy. Would uh, Who would your dream opponent, past or present, be? Um, Arn. Mm. Or Great Muda. Two good ones. That's the two that inspired me to be a wrestler. I was a Hulk Hogan fan as a kid, but when I started understanding it, mm-hmm. Arn 100%. That's why it's always fun being in the ring with Brock, who is basically Arn in 83. Oh, yeah. So true. And Muda was just something different. You don't, you didn't see anybody with their face painted and blowing mist all over the place and doing a moonsault when you was my age. Like when I was nine, ten years old. So he just really caught my eye. I was a huge fan of the WCW Cruiserweight division also. So Rey Mysterio was also like up there, him and Eddie and uh, La Parca. 
they were some of my favorites to watch too. Silver King, El Porky, but Muda and Arn were my two favorites. And if I could get in the ring with either one of them, I would do it in a heartbeat. So question on that, since, you know, Arn Anderson is with us and he's backstage yes. and whatnot. Has, is there anything that you've learned from Arn being coworkers that uh, really sticks out for you? To be me at all times and to never look down on being a ring general going in and being the guy that uh, being the glue that keeps things together. He always told me there's job security in being a ring general. So helpful. Hmm, great advice. Yep. Ask you a question about your training regimen at Bobby Boyette wants to know being a larger athlete, uh, what type of training do you do for mobility, speed and cardio? I've been slacking on the mobility stuff for the last year or so, but in nagging injuries is what's caused that. And I can never get over them. Like, I've had hip and ankle issues for most of my life. I've not always been 300 pounds. When I started wrestling, I was 220 pounds, and my finish was a 450. Whoa. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I used to be just a stupid, agile, athletic human for my size. But that was from years of not having any friends and being on a trampoline and learning how to do every flip on the man. Even when I was doing jujitsu when I was younger, guys my size couldn't keep up with me because I was more athletic than they were. I was slick and could get around them and uh, work around them quicker than they could get to me. Now, I've never been fast as far as running or anything like that, but I was always explosive when it came to short movements. I've never really lost that, and I've always taken pride in bumping my ass off. So when I go to training, I always bump, and I run a bump feed drill with my trainees when I go to my school in Chester, South Carolina. We always start class with four bumps and a flip bump, but you're supposed to bump and feed up as fast as you can. I still out bump my trainees. I still bump and feed up as fast as I can go. I don't make them run any drills that I won't run. As far as going to the gym, I go two to three days a week when I'm not on the road. I have training in Chester on Tuesdays, and then I bowl. And I just, bowling to me, when I do it for practice, I use it as cardio because it's two hours of practice and it's nonstop over and over mm -hmm. and over and over. But I've always played every sport on demand, like slow pitch softball, bowling, football, basketball, you name it, I've played. I've just always stayed active. I never, I never spent a lot of time in the gym or the weight room as a child or as a kid. I'm starting to do that more in my later years, but I just always tried to stay active. Actually, before we go, I want to touch on a little bit because we somehow missed this entirely. But sure. like you mentioned the other sports in there, like, sure, we talked about bowling and whatnot, but baseball has been a huge part of your background. Was there ever a thought to go the professional baseball player route or was wrestling sort of always your thing? When I was in high school, I actually hurt my shoulder my 10th grade year. I don't know what happened, but I was throwing a pitch and about the time that I got to here and went to throw it started grinding like from here all the way through it just started grinding mm. took four weeks where i couldn't throw i could still hit i just couldn't throw so when i came back near the end of the season i had developed a knuckleball i went from you know, when i was in 10th grade i think i was topping out at 86 miles an hour on a fastball mm, wow and when i got back 79 80 so that's that's poop you throw that at somebody with no movement, it's just sitting there. So I had developed a knuckleball. So my 11th and 12th grade year, I threw a knuckleball. My coach 
was a knuckleballer who he went to school at Gardner-Webb University here in, in North Carolina. He wrote a letter of recommendation for me to walk on to try out for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. As I was getting ready to send said letter of recommendation, me and my first wife, we became pregnant with my first child. And then said, yeah, it's time to go get a job. So I went and got a job and the thoughts of professional baseball went elsewhere. Damn. I started pursuing professional wrestling as soon as I got out of high school. I've been doing it 20 plus years. I've been in wrestling a long time, 39 years old now. I used to think the 39 was too old to be anything, but CD is still top level in his 50s. CD, Chris Jericho, Sting, Gosh. Jeff Jarrett, all those guys. Yeah, Jarrett is the most underrated professional wrestler on the planet. <laughs> I mean, I hate that guy, but I 100% agree. <laughs> Settle down, Aubrey. <laughs> if you hate Jeff Jarrett, you hate yourself. End of discussion. We're going to get into a whole other conversation here. Aubrey, you hate him for a different reason. Justifiable reason. Aubrey hates him because he gets over on her. <laughs> I, just, I just don't like people that blatantly break the rules. That's all I'm saying. We're old school. That's what happens. <laughs> that, that is what happened. JD, when was the moment that you decided that pro wrestling was definitely what you wanted to pursue? <laughs> when I was four. <laughs> but when I took my first bump, I was home. It's always crazy when you have those moments. Yeah. 100% I'm crazy. Hell, I fall down for a living. Think about this. <laughs> and then you got to get back up and do it all over again. <sighs> Throw your body on plywood for a living. You got to be a little stupid, a little crazy, but we love it. Yes. I love working with you. I know anytime I'm writing the names on the board and I see JD or Workhorseman, I'm like, yeah, I'm taking that match. <laughs> Just because like you, you get it and you're so giving you're so like like you said like being the ring general it's like man i know this match is going to be great because jd is going to make sure it's great i'm gonna do my damnedest and this podcast was great and i want to thank you for being here today of course just what a wonderful conversation with a wonderful dude he can he can rock a lacy itchy shirt he can rock cowboy mm -hmm. boots and make it work he can, can make all of it work i can wear a bowling jersey whenever i want to also i mean you've earned that you've earned that easily yeah you have i mean also Support autism awareness, please, please. So many, so many children in this world feel like that they're outcast or that they're different or that something's wrong. It's our job to make sure that they know that nothing's wrong, that they have superpowers and they just have to find them. Hell yeah. Well said. Bo both of my kids, both of them, Tourette's, ADHD. My oldest has Asperger's. They're both super high functioning, fantastic kids. Don't give up on any child with any kind of autism. You might find your best friend. Amazing. What what a great message, man. Sure. I love that we, we ended on that. This is AEW Unrestricted. You can follow JD on Instagram at RealJamesDrake. Of course, you can listen and follow this podcast. New episodes every Thursday, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes launch on Mondays on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. We're on Elevation on YouTube on Mondays. We have Dark, Tuesday, YouTube, Dynamite, TBS, Wednesday. We have Ring of Honor, Thursday. We have Rampage, Friday, TNT. We're taking over. We we're are. taking over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're every day of the week. You can watch us, listen to us, see all these wonderful people, along with my guest co-host, Alex Eberhantes. Thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted.